0: Okay, good morning, everyone. If you are um, still needing to find your seat, can you find a seat? Come and sit down. It's good to see you all today. My name is Grant. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors or elders here at Restored. And I did want to say a big Happy Father's Day to all the dads in the room. If you are a biological father, a father figure, a spiritual father in this community, we just want to honor you guys and thank you for the way you love and the way you serve, the example you set, the way you sacrifice and who you are. We just want to honor you and say happy, happy Father's Day. Hope you got a donut outside as you came in. And this morning we're going to be carrying on our series in the Psalms. We're in a series called Prayer in the Psalms. And I hope this summer is that we would learn both a little bit more about prayer, how to pray, grow in prayer, but that we'd also learn about the one that we pray to. We learn about our Father in heaven, who uh, I think Shirag honored so well earlier, and that we would learn to trust in him and speak to him and love him and know what he is like more and more and more. Before we get into our text for today, um, I was struck by an email I read this Wednesday. I woke up. Read my emails probably earlier than I should have. And there's an email from a pastor I subscribed to his weekly email updates that really struck me in light of the series that we're in. So this is what it said in the opening of this email. We undoubtedly live in a secular age. Secularism disciples a man to learn to live without God. He quotes James K. A. Smith, who wrote, secularism is a way of constructing meaning and significance without any reference to the divine or transcendence. Secularism is doing a reverse exorcism. In the Bible, whenever Jesus encountered the demonic, he drove it out. In secular culture, whenever it encounters Christ, it seems to drive him out. Godlessness in the modern age is not characterized by a particular sin. Godlessness is characterized by building an identity and reality without reference to God. So what struck me as I read that at like six in the morning on Wednesday, was this idea of without God, a life without God, building meaning and significance without God, building an identity and reality without God, which I think even for those of us who are a part of the church, who follow Jesus, it's easy to do, to to live our lives, to build our lives without Him and without reference to Him. And the reason that struck me is as we come to the Psalms and as we read Psalm 23 today, what we see is the Psalms are doing the exact opposite of what that email was saying, the culture around us does. The Psalms are reminding us about God and pointing us to God. The the Psalms are enchanting our lives with the reality of God in everything. They're helping us to be aware and present to God in every situation and every circumstance of life. As we brush our teeth, as we read emails, as we sit in meetings, as we drive around, as we go to sleep, as we wake up. The Psalms are reminding us of who God is and helping us to live life with him. So if secularism, San Diego, the busyness of life, just the world around us, the culture we live in, if all of that is discipling us to learn to live life without God, what the Psalms are doing is teaching us and discipling us to live life with God, aware of God, present to God, full of God in everything. And today we're gonna be studying Psalm 23, which is probably one of the best known Psalms. And this Psalm is gonna help us to know who God is and what He's like and to be aware of Him in all circumstances and situations. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn to Psalm 23. Otherwise, it will come up on the screen. But this is something I'm sure many of you will be familiar with, whether you've grown up in the church or not. This is the kind of Psalm you might have heard in church, or at school, or at a funeral, or on TV, in a movie, or a show. This is a very popular Psalm. And it's the kind of Psalm which just seems to have connected with and resonated with people throughout time, as it teaches us about what God is like and what it looks like to follow Him. So Psalm 23 verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters, he renews my life, he leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup overflows only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord as long as i live i hope you're familiar with that today if not we're going to get into it and just see how this is relevant to our lives psalm 1 verse 1 the lord is my shepherd just stop there for a second this is a psalm of confidence in the lord's care for those of you who this morning maybe feel like you need care, Psalm 23 is for you. This person who's writing the Psalm is David. Um, David the King who's pretty well known. He wrote about half of the Psalms in the Bible. He was also called a man after God's own heart, even though he was sinful and flawed in many ways. And he literally was a shepherd for years. He worked in the fields, shepherding literal sheep. So as he writes the Psalm about God, he's writing about something he knows about really, really well. And he's helping us to realize that what he experienced in life, that is what God is like. God is like the same kind of shepherd with us, his people. And now this is probably an obvious thing to say, but it, it needs to be said. In the psalm, we are like the sheep, if you can receive that. And God is like the shepherd in the way he engages with us and interacts with us and serves us and leads us. And the early church seemed to have loved this picture of God as shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus talks about himself and calls himself the good shepherd. And then in Luke 15, he speaks about the story of the the lost sheep and talks about the shepherd who'll leave the 99 sheep behind to go in search of the one. And there's these pictures throughout church history of Jesus as the shepherd with the sheep on his shoulders, carrying the lost sheep home, taking that sheep where it needs to go. And what I love about that is as we read Psalm 23 today, yes, David is speaking about God as shepherd, but he's also pointing ahead to Jesus and what he's like and the way he treats us and the kind of person he is, and how he wants you to see him and respond to him. And as we just see that first line today, the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. I want to ask you today, do you need care from the Lord? Maybe just pause and think about that for a second. Is there an area in your life where you are in need, where you need his help, where you need his strength? Maybe this morning you realize you are like that lost sheep in some way. Maybe completely you realize you're far from God and you need Jesus to come to you and put you on his shoulders and bring you home. Or maybe this morning you realize there's parts of your life which actually need his help. You need him to help you carry that burden. I I don't know what you're like, but I I know I can sometimes just decide to tough it out on my own. Say, I'm going to do this. I don't need help. I'm strong enough. I don't want to put this on anyone else. So I try and do things in my own strength. But Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. He wants to help you. He he wants to meet with you. He wants to lead you. He wants to care for you. He wants to provide for you. Is there anything that today you need from the Lord that you could ask him about and speak to him about? Is there help that you need from him? Is there support that you need? The Lord is your shepherd. And as I preach through this today, I just want to ask, would you be aware of the good shepherd this morning? Even here, just the things he might want to say to you or highlight to you areas in your life he might want to speak into, or care, or tend, or lead. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside quiet waters. The thing that struck me there is when David writes and says, I have what I need. You know, we might not be too drawn to the green pastures or the still waters. Some of you are outside people, you love the outdoors, you love nature. Some of you, like me, you're indoor cats, you like the inside life, it's a good place to be, that's fine. What's going on here, it's not just talking about nature's restorative for your soul as that might be, it's talking about the Lord meeting your needs, meeting you where you're at. And I wanted to ask, what do you need right now? I've, I memorized this um, in kind of the older traditional Bibles and translations. So I've always read that as he makes me lie down in green pastures which I think sounds pretty aggressive. (laughs) Like he makes, he will make you lie down, whether you want it or not. Like against your will, you will sleep, sheep. And that is not what's going on at all here. This is not a violent or aggressive shepherd. This isn't like a WWE picture of what's going on. This is a picture of invitation and care. We see actually in this passage, the sheep lying down, but the sheep can only do that when he's had his needs met. When he's fed, when he's watered, when he feels safe, Obviously, sheep need to feel safe to sleep because otherwise they could be eaten or attacked. When the sheep is eaten, drunk and feels safe, then he will rest, which what it's saying here is that the shepherd has met the needs of the sheep. Whatever those are, the sheep is satisfied and now can rest. Add to this, sheep cannot drink from flowing water. Did you know that? So sheep might run to flowing water. They'll hear it and they'll go to it. But even if the water is shallow, the sheep will get there and stop. They can't drink from it. So what the shepherd has to do, and this blows me away because this is a picture of God, remember, is the Middle Eastern shepherd would get close to where the sheep are, where the water is, and get down on their hands and knees. And they would have to dig this kind of side channel away from the rushing waters. And they would have to bring that there to slow the water down so the water would be still, so the sheep could gather around and drink. And I'm struck by that because I think of God getting down on his hands and knees for you and I, dirtying his hands, dirtying his knees, dirtying his clothes, digging in the ground for sheep to drink. And David is saying that is what God is like. God is a king, but he's also a servant who serves us and meets our needs and knows what we need. And he's willing to get his hands dirty for you and I. Some of you are sitting here and you're going, that guy knows a lot of shepherding trivia. (laughs) And I do. Let me tell you. Oh, I do. But I want you to be amazed at the beauty of that, the the way God serves us, the way God meets our needs and cares for us, that he is willing to do that. I don't know how keen I would be to do that for the sheep, but God, the King, is willing to do that for us. The shepherd knows what we need even better than we do. Some of us are aware of some of our needs, but not all. God knows all of our needs. He knows us totally, completely throughout, and he knows, yes, the sheep need their grass, They need their water. They need to feel safe and protected so that they can sleep. And the shepherd serves and cares and provides and is present. The shepherd is watching out so that the sheep know they are not in danger. There are no thieves. There are no wolves. There are no wild animals that could hurt them. So they are comfortable to rest. God, our shepherd, knows us even better than we do. And in Psalm 23, he's reminding us that the things that we need, he will meet for us in himself hope that comforts you today. Each day the shepherd leads the flock to a place where they can eat and drink and find rest. And I want you to think of the monotony of that. Every single day the shepherd gathers the sheep and takes them to a place where they can eat and drink and rest. He wakes up in the morning, here we go again, gathers the sheep, takes them out, finds some grass, finds some water, digs that like channel helps them find a place that they can rest and just watches. Are there any wild animals? Are there any thieves? Is there anything that's gonna put this flock in danger? And he protects them every single day, all day meeting the sheep's needs. And again, that is what God is like. Every single day, the ordinary monotony of daily life, God is present with us, caring for us, meeting our needs, watching over us because of his love and care for us every single day throughout the day i don't know what you would do if you were a shepherd but i was thinking about the fact that there were no airpods back then there's no audiobooks, there's no ipods a uh, 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 podcast there's no music you're just standing there watching thinking just doing your job and this psalm is trying to let us know god is present and attentive to our lives he is with us now but he's with us as you drive away, he's with us as you're at work tomorrow or at home. He's with us in whatever we do, watching and caring and meeting our needs. In The monotony of ordinary life and in the like extraordinary circumstances. I think we are more likely to reach out to God and cry out to him when we need help in the extraordinary. But he's with us both in the ordinary and in the extraordinary, the, the everyday and the hard, the difficult, the challenging, the needy moments. God, our shepherd, our Lord is with us Meeting our needs. And I want you to think about how dependent the sheep are on the shepherd for this. Every day, all day, every meal, every bit of water to rest. The sheep are dependent on the shepherd. And again, Psalm 23 is talking to us. We are as dependent on him as the sheep are on the shepherd. For everything. Not just something. For everything that we need. We are as dependent on God the shepherd as the sheep are. And we see the care of god for us in this the presence of god the attentiveness of god the love of god the consistency of god god is with us in all of life and as we see that i just want to ask you today just to think about how dependently on him you are living do you feel the reality of what psalm 23 is saying Or like so many of us, or at least with so many parts of our lives, are we living dependent on ourselves? I can do this. I can provide for myself. I can meet my needs. I know where to go. I know what to do. Are we depending on the shepherding of God, or are we shepherding our own souls, shepherding our own lives, trying to meet our own needs? Who and what are you dependent on? Psalm 23 verse 3 says, He leads me. I was playing around with those three words. He leads me. I wonder which of those words stands out to you the most. He leads me. God is our leader. Our shepherd is our leader. And I found this really interesting, again, as I was getting into my shepherding studies, that a shepherd would walk ahead of the sheep and either play like a pipe, so there's a, a musical tune that's going that the sheep can follow, or he would sing a song, but, but there'd be some kind of call, some kind of music or noise that the sheep became familiar with, with this shepherd. So they knew the shepherd's voice. And what would happen, this is like a bit of excitement in the shepherding world, is sometimes in the middle of the day what would happen is multiple shepherds and multiple flocks would get together around a spring or a well and have like a little sheep social going on. And they would actually get to chat to someone else and have a bit of fun. And when the time to leave came, what the shepherd would do is they would get up and they would start to walk and they would pull out that pipe would start to sing the song and all the sheep would know, okay, it's time to go. We know the voice of our shepherd, the call of our shepherd, so let's follow him and leave. So even though there's this like super flock going on, all these mixed sheep together, the sheep would know when it was their turn to stop drinking and where their shepherd was going and they would follow his voice. And that's why Jesus can say to us in John 10:27, "'My sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me.'" Because when the tune of Jesus is played, when he sings that song, when his voice is spoken, his sheep hear him and we know that he's speaking and we're able to follow. Jesus knows you and I and us so personally and well. He knows what we need. He speaks to us, he leads us and guides us. And his invitation is to follow him wherever he's leading. I think we live in times where there is just a lot of noise going on, even just noise pollution in our ears and our heads and our hearts and our souls. Just so many voices, so many tunes, so many things that are playing sure you can think of some from this week, whether it's social media or entertainment or an article you read or, I don't know, fake news or something, deep fakes, conspiracy theories, just all of these different voices that are out there that are competing for our attention, these other shepherds that are wanting us to hear their voice and follow them and go in the direction that they're leading. And Jesus' voice is among them, but will you hear his voice? If we listen, it's not hard to hear, but will you hear his voice and follow him. Who are you following? Who's leading you? Where are you being led? What voice is the one that is influencing you the most? Psalm 23 verse 4, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, not some danger, no danger, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What some of the commentators think about this is that the valley of the shadow of death or or that dark valley that it speaks about there was a literal place in the desert. And it was a place where there was a shadow where you couldn't see. So if you went to that place, you wouldn't be able to tell, is there a wild animal in that shadowy area? Are there thieves in there? Are there enemies? Is, Is there danger for us if we go through this place? And the sheep had to trust the shepherd to lead them through. Isn't that an amazing thing to think about? as I go through the valley of the shadow of death through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Maybe you are in a place like that now, a place of fear or uncertainty or the unknown, and you're trying to walk forward and you just don't know what is coming. You don't know if the decisions you're making are what they're going to lead to, what the fork in the road is, if you're safe or not. You know what struck me this morning for the first time? I've studied this passage a lot over the years. I just thought for the first time ever, I wonder if in the valley of the shadow of death, the sheep could see the shepherd. So it was dark in that valley. And I thought even though they've been following the shepherd to this point, now that they are in the dark where they can't see what else is around them, could they see the shepherd or did they have to just trust that the shepherd was with them? Did they have to wait for the times where the shepherd's voice would be spoken and go, okay, he's still here. The promise is he is with them, even in the valley of the shadow of death, but maybe they couldn't see or feel or or touch that the shepherd was with them. So they had to just trust. And I have this sense that this morning there's some of us in that place where we feel like we can't see what's ahead and we can't see God with us. But Psalm 23 wants you to know, even if you cannot see him, even if you can't feel him, he is with you and he is leading you where you need to go. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no evil for you are with me. Sheep are completely reliant on the shepherd because they have no defenses. Don't know if you've thought about that before. Um, skunks have got that scent, which I'm learning about. We, we didn't have skunks in South Africa. So the first time I smelled a skunk scent was here at Jefferson. I was outside by the kids' area. I was like, what's that burnt plastic smell? And it was a skunk. So skunks have got their spray. Tortoises can go into their shell. Cats have got claws. Dogs can bite. Horses can kick and run and do all sorts of things. Sheep have just got wool. So sheep have got no defenses at all. They are completely reliant on the shepherd for their protection and for their lives. They need him. Their security is in the shepherd, not in themselves. Psalm 23 verse 4 says, you are with me. That's where the hope of the sheep is. If I'm with the shepherd, I'm safe. If I'm not, I'm toast. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I think in my experience as a pastor over the years, one of the things that's come up again and again is that we feel like God is with us. We believe he's with us. If we can feel him or sense him or or have like this, this idea, he's with me now. But when things are hard, when we don't feel Him, when we don't know He's with us, we start to doubt even though the scriptures promise He is still with us. So much of uh, our trust in God, our walking with God is, does this feel like a green pasture season? Does this feel like a quiet streams moment of life? Do I feel refreshed, Is, is my soul renewed? And if not, if we're in the valley of the shadow of death moment, like where is God? Does He care? Does He know what's going on? Why is He not hearing my prayers? And the promise of Psalm 23 is whatever season you're on, whatever path you're on, the shepherd is with you. Whether you can see him or not, whether you can feel him or not, whether you can hear him or not, the shepherd is with you if you're trying to follow him. But here in Psalm 23, we see that God is with us in all circumstances and situations. The way of the shadow of death is the way of the shepherd and the way of the green pastures and still waters is the way of the shepherd. The shepherd is leading us through. Our comfort and hope is not in our circumstances, it's in the fact that the, the shepherd is with us, that you are with me. I don't know if you know this, but um, the most common command in the Bible is do not fear or do not worry or do not be afraid. I think there's a reason for that. You know, I think one of the reasons that comes up again and again and again is how often, how likely we are to be scared and worried and concerned about what we're going through or the future or one of many different things. The Bible says again, and again, and again, do not fear. That's the number one command. You know what the most common promise in the Bible is? It's I will be with you. That's our hope. Do not fear. Do not be afraid for I will be with you. Whatever we're facing, whatever that fear looks like, we are not alone. You are not alone right now in the circumstance you are in. He is with you. He is for you. He is leading you through. Notice that God also doesn't rescue the sheep out of the valley of the shadow of death. (laughs) It's a real bummer in the psalm. Uh, I don't know if you've prayed that before, but I've been in that space and I've gone, God, please get me out of this. Like, God, this is hard. Please get me to the other side. And God doesn't do it. He's not a helicopter parent. He doesn't send angels to like just lift us up and take us to the other side. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but he is with us. Our hope is not just getting to the other side, our hope is that He is with us. And our confidence, our comfort comes from the fact that He is with us even in that. I think for Shell and I, when we were sensing that God was moving us from Durban to San Diego to hand over Harbor City to come and join Restored, it was hard. And I had these two tendencies in myself. The one was to do the ostrich thing and just put my head in the sand and just pretend nothing's happening, everything's fine. The other thing was to just say, Lord, please, can you just fast forward us a year? Like, I just wanna get through this. And I think for me, I was like, okay, I'm happy with doing this, but the process just feels hard. This, this valley feels hard, the, the conversations and the emotions and the goodbyes. And I remember in particular, there were just like these two little hurdles at the end of our time there. One was our final Sunday, handing over the church and saying goodbye. And the other was saying goodbye to family and friends at the airport two little hurdles. And I was just like, God, if you can just fast forward me through those two things that I know are gonna be so hard and draining, I know I'll be fine. And probably this was a year process. I mean, aside from the emotional side, there was like a lot of logistics and admin and preparation and planning to, to move our lives, to uproot and replant here. And somewhere in that process, I felt like God's spirit said to me, you can't go around this, you need to go through. And it was not what I wanted to hear. I wanted the helicopter thing, just pick me up and move me to the other side. I wanted to just put my head on the sand and everything would happen and I would just pop up and carry on with life. But God was saying, you need to go through this. But a year on, we've been here for over a year now, a year on I can say God was with us through that whole process. He led us, didn't mean it wasn't hard, didn't mean it wasn't challenging, it didn't mean it wasn't draining. Didn't mean there weren't ups and downs in the process, but he was with us, and he was our comfort, and he was our strength, and he led us through. Psalm 23, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Those two words um, are funny because the word rod is about protection, and the word staff is about care or comfort. The rod was this two and a half foot uh, long device. It had like a mace head on the end, some pieces of metal sticking out. So basically it's saying the shepherd is tough. Don't mess with shepherds, don't mess with God. And I think that should be an encouragement for you. As God leads us, as he is our shepherd, God can protect you against evil, against darkness, against challenges, against the things that come up against you. God is tough. God can care for you. And the other thing is that staff, which was like a long stick, which generally had like a curved crook on the end. And that was not something for defense, it was something for leading. You know, the shepherd could kind of use that to direct the sheep ahead a little bit, or if one of the little sheep fell down into a river or a little ravine or ditch or something, they could pitch, pick that lamb up and put them back on the path. That's what the shepherd's crook was for. And we see these two pictures of God here in Psalm 23. One of God as protector, as our strong protector. The other is God as comforter, the one who cares and can help us and lead us. And that's why we do not have to fear because he is with us. That kind of God is with us in all circumstances. I love that in Psalm 23, the sheep doesn't deny the darkness, doesn't deny the fear, doesn't deny the uncertainty. They're real about it. But despite all of those things, despite owning that reality, the sheep also has a reasonable, a rational trust in the shepherd. If the shepherd is gonna be with them they don't have to fear, even though these are hard things they're going through, the valley of the shadow of death. But even though they go through that, they have a reasonable, logical, rational reason to trust because God is with them. And he is that kind of God who will shepherd them and through them see them through to the other side. So they don't need to fear. And as we read Psalm 23, we could almost stop there. You know, There's like enough in that for us just to say, okay, I'm encouraged, I'm comforted, God's a good God, I'm down to pray. Let's, let's pray, worship, wrap up, and go home. I see the Lord is my shepherd, he meets my needs, he gives me rest, he renews my life, he leads me, he cares for me, even in danger, and he is with me. Those are all true, but the Psalm ends with two more verses, which are really helpful still coming out of or in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death. Psalm 23 verse 5 says, you, God, our present savior, king, and shepherd, you prepare a table, this incredible meal, this beautiful dinner. You prepare that for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And when I read that, I would expect that at the end, you know, like you get to the finish line and there's a great meal. There's some great drinks ahead and you go, we did it. We got through, but Psalm 23 is saying in the midst of this danger and uncertainty, this is going on, which I don't particularly like, (laughs) but that's what's going on in Psalm 23. I want to pop the champagne at the end, not in the middle, but there's a reason that that's going on here. In verse five and six, we see the end of the sheep and shepherd metaphor. So as God prepares the table for us, no more hooves, you can pick up your knives and forks. You're a person sitting with God. That's the picture. But the psalmist is writing that God, again, serves us and prepares this table for us and provides for us, not at the end of the trouble, but in the midst of it, while it's still going on, while there's uncertainty and fear and the unknown, it's in that place that God prepares this feast for us. And you might ask why, you know? I'd rather we just get to the end and then we can celebrate. Like, I don't really want to pause here. Can we move on through the danger and the uncertainty? But Jesus knows how we work, He knows what we need. Remember, Jesus took on flesh. Jesus lived in this earth. He experienced all of the things that we experience. He has been through it. He gets it. He understands. Whatever you're facing, whatever's coming to mind as we speak about these things today, Jesus understands. He knows. He gets it. He can relate. So, why does he throw this party for us in the middle, not at the end? Well, the Good Shepherd is calling us to trust in him and depend on him and be with him. Have this meal, sit face to face while the enemies are around, and enjoy him and speak with him, not just when things are simple and easy and look good and have resolved, but always, even in the midst of the difficulties and opposition. It's quite a wild picture. Think of the most beautiful dinner table the most amazing food. You're sitting there with Jesus face to face and everything is raging around you and like the eye of the storm. Jesus is saying, please, will you do that? Please come to me in the midst of difficulties. Don't just wait till the end. And the Psalm ends by saying this in verse six, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live as we read this, it feels different to the rest of the psalm. Now we've got dark valleys and uncertainty, and then all of a sudden we've just got goodness and mercy and being with God for the rest. It just feels much more joyous and celebratory. And the reason this is going on because the sheep situation still hasn't changed. You know, they're still going through it. There's still weeks or months of uncertainty and unknown and danger and and trusting God involved. But what's happened here, Is that the perspective of the sheep has changed even though the circumstances haven't they've sat at that table with their eyes on the lord they're seeing the shepherd they're being reminded of who he is their perspective has changed and now their internal world has changed remember what i said at the beginning i I quoted that email i'd read secularism san diego busyness culture disciple us to learn to live without god but what psalm 23 is doing is it's discipling us and teaching us in all circumstances and situations to be aware of God, to be present to God, to be with God, to live life with God. That's what's happening here. Anne Voskamp wrote this quote that really struck me preparing for today. She said, too often we want clarity and God wants us to come closer. Too often we want clarity and God wants us to come closer. In Psalm 23, if you were the sheep, if you think like me, you want a solution, you want a strategy, what's the way forward? That's what you want to see. And Psalm 23 wants us to see the shepherd. Psalm 23 doesn't give us the solution to the problem. It gives us a shepherd. God doesn't want to give us clarity necessarily. He wants us to come closer. He wants us to see him. He wants us to walk with him and trust him. Do you feel close to the shepherd this morning? Are you following him? Are you listening to his voice? Is your focus on him? Are you walking with him? Even if you are in that dark valley, are you aware that he is with you? As I was sharing today, I realized there might be some of you in this room and you're like, well, okay, Grant, that's great. Thank you. That's encouraging. I hope you feel that. But maybe you're saying, well, I've actually drifted far from the shepherd. I've been doing my own shepherding for a long time now, and I'm in a very different place. What does the psalm say to me? Or maybe you came in today and you wouldn't have called yourself a Christian this morning. What does Psalm 23 say to you if you, you know you're not a sheep yet? Jesus isn't the shepherd of your life. Well, Jesus says the most beautiful thing in Luke 15 to us, which might encourage you today. Luke 15, verse four. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the last one until he finds it? I love this. Jesus is so persistent in looking for people who wander from him. And drift and go to different places and choose their own way, and do their own thing. You know why? Because he cares. He cares deeply about you. He's willing to be inconvenienced for you. He's willing to, to stop what he's doing to come and look for you because he cares. And when he has found it, the sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. I'm not wired that way. If I had to leave the 99 sheep and stop what I was doing to go find one, Firstly, I don't know if I'd do it. (laughs) I'd be like, I've still got 99. Like that one, he's made his choice. He can go and do what he wants. (laughs) Jesus leaves the 99 and when he finds the one, he's not angry. He's not frustrated. He's not passive aggressive. Three things I think I would be when I found that sheep. He's none of that. Instead, it says he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. He's rejoicing when he finds the sheep that's wandered off and chosen its own path. And coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. If you walked in here today feeling far from the shepherd, or maybe as I've spoken, you're realizing, you know what? This is not my reality. I have wandered. I'm shepherding my own life. I'm in a different place to where God wants me to be. I hope this encourages you. Jesus is searching for you more than you're searching for Him. He's more committed to you than you are to Him. He will stop what He's doing to come after you. And when He finds you, He won't be frustrated or angry. He will pick you up with joy and celebrate that He has found you. Can I ask you guys to stand with me today? If I can ask the band to come up, Um, this is a series on prayer. So I think the only way that we can end today is with a time of prayer. We are gonna take communion after this in a few minutes time, but I wanted to create space for you to respond to Psalm 23 and to pray it back to God, because that's what the Psalms are. They're, They're the prayer book of the Bible. So I hope that one or two or three things have stood out to you this morning. And I'd love you to bring those to God. Maybe it's a a prayer of appreciation. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Maybe it's a prayer of need. You're coming to him to say, God, I actually have needs. If you are that kind of shepherd, would you meet my needs? Would you meet me where I'm at? You know, would you provide what I need? Maybe today you find yourself in the dark valley and you are full of uncertainty and doubt and questions and the unknown. But the promise of I am with you stands out to you today. Maybe you can't see God or feel God. You don't know where he is in your life, but you're hearing that. And you're saying, God, I want to believe that. Help me to believe that. Maybe you want to celebrate like the Psalmist does at the end, the fact that you will be with them forever. Or maybe today you want to begin to follow Jesus. You want to become a sheep. You want Him to pick you up on His shoulders, to forgive you of your sin, to wash you clean, to give you a new life. Maybe you wanna experience the joy of Jesus in you today. Whatever that is, would you just bring that to Him? That one thing, those two things. In your own words, keep it simple, keep it short. You don't have to pray impressive prayers. You don't have to pray verbose prayers. Simple, short, honest prayers to God. Of your heart and where you're at in response to him and what he's saying this morning i know some of you may be still praying i just i wanted to share a picture i had with you guys uh, this could be for someone in the room maybe not but i think the idea of god being with us has stood out to me um just in preparing for today and i hope you believe that and if not i, I want to encourage you to to wrestle with god and pray over that But I had a picture of someone today holding a burden. It looked like a very heavy rock and it was weighing them down and I felt the invitation of God to them being give that to me. You don't have to carry that anymore. It seemed like something that they'd been carrying for a long time and the invitation of God was give that to me. Let me carry that for you or let me carry that with you and I felt like you weren't wanting to give that over to God. You didn't feel like you could trust God with that thing. You were nervous. You were scared. Maybe you you feel like you've been carrying that for so long just that you can't. You're so used to holding that thing. If that resonates with you, I I really do believe that the Spirit is wanting to highlight that thing and say, yes, this is you. Please give that thing to me and trust me. And I just ask for that person, those people, maybe it's many of us in this room, Lord, that You would help us to trust you and even now you would take burdens from us and help us to feel free for those who feel weighed down i pray for your comfort and freedom i pray that we would feel forgiven and washed clean and lighter and i ask that you would empower us and help us and support us as we follow you lord In John 10, verse 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The shepherd we've been talking about today is so committed to you and loves you so much. Not only will he stoop down and dig that hole so that you can drink water and be refreshed, but he gave his life for you, that you could be forgiven and washed clean and know God and live with him forever, as verse six speaks about. And as we come into this moment of taking communion today, We wanna remember this, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That yes, um, Jesus who promises that he will care for us and prepare that table for us in the midst of our enemies, Jesus was overcome by his enemies so that we could be protected. And Jesus who promises to lead us through the valley of the shadow of death, he did not make it through. He died in the valley of the shadow of death for us in our place that we could be set free, that we could go through. Jesus gave himself for us as a good shepherd because of his love for us. And today we want to celebrate that and come forward. We want to drink the cup and remember his blood shed and eat the bread and remember his body broken for us and thank the good shepherd who cares about our souls, our shepherd, our savior, our king, and our friend. So why don't you come forward and take communion and we'll worship together.
1: Hi, guys, my name is Hillary. I'm a member of this church. And as we were praying, um, I just had something come to mind my own little conversation with God that I think might um, encourage some of you or call you um, to a conversation with Him. So, as we were praying, I was thanking God for um, coming after me when I was um, wandering and, you know, picking me up and putting him on his, me on His shoulders. Um, and then I heard myself say to Him, like, I'm so glad to be with you, but I don't know if I wanna be with a 99. Um, Like the the other sheep who who I experienced hurt from and it's really scary um, for me to engage in community sometimes. Um, And so God's response to me in that was like, can you trust me um, that I have you? Um, And he also just reminded me like, they're just other sheep who, like, cheap hurt each other sometimes, they run into each other. Um, And so, maybe that's just for me, um, and maybe I just needed to say that, but I think there might be other people in this room who have experienced hurt from um, people who call themselves Christians, um, or from the church in general, and maybe it's in this church, or in a church you were a part of before, and that makes you hesitant to trust God. Um, and to re engage with the, his flock. And so, my encouragement today, and I'm going to pray over this, um, pray this over us, is that we would learn to trust him um, as our good shepherd and that we would allow him to lead us into more trust um, and not giving up on his flock um, and his people. So, let's pray. Um, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I thank you for. Um, being the one who came after me and who's come after each one of us to rescue us from our sin and destructive behavior, um, the lies that we believe about ourselves and others. Um, And I thank you that you know us more intimately than we even know ourselves. You know the hurts that we've gone through. You know um, know our stories and the pain that we've walked through. And um, you've rescued us and... Um, I don't know why, but you have chosen um, humans to live together, and um, we often hurt each other, and there are people in this room who have experienced great hurt um, from other Christians and from the church, and so, um, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would minister to them this morning, that you would remind them that you are good, and that you're good to them, and that you would help them um, re-enter this community, um, that you would... Remind them that they are safe in your arms, um, that you will not let anything happen to them, that you will never leave them or or forsake them, that you are with them always, um, and that you really can handle um, any of their emotions and their fears and their doubts um, about you or about your people. Um, And God, I just pray that you would create um, a safe space, continue to create a safe space in this community um, too. Um, experience more of you, Jesus, but also experience your healing power um, through the individuals here. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name.
2: Thanks, Helen. Um, Yeah, as we close, just uh, something that I read last night with the kids in the Jesus Storybook Bible, talking about um, the shepherds and how they were like kind of rejected in that culture and known as smelly and um, just thinking about the idea of Like Jesus is our shepherd, and how um, he's not afraid of our mess. He's not afraid to get close. Um, I think of times where, like, my kids are really just, you know, physically messy, covered in yogurt or mud. And, you know, if I'm not at home in, like, lounge clothes, I'm, like, you know, trying to help them, you know, do the bare minimum, but kind of, like, keep, (laughs) keep, preserve myself um, at times and just just the, like, comfort and beauty of, like, that's not how God is with us. He comes close. He's not afraid of our mess, and we are messy. We're dirty, Um, and he, yeah, he comes close. He draws near, and um, I just want to encourage you to, like, in, yeah, in the deeper places of your heart that you might be, like, afraid or think that he's put off um, that he's not, and he's not afraid of the mess. So um, I just want to leave you guys with that that thought as we go. Um, and yeah, have a great week.